Yeah, yeah. 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 What's that? <laughs> so, uh, what are we going to talk about today, Joy? What's on the the docket? Docket? Is that right? Did I use that word right? Yeah. What's I think on the so. docket? I think so. I'm Look, impressed. For some reason, when I hear docket, I think of like a shipping dock. Docket it. <laughs> what's, what's on the docket? Well, I'm looking on the board there, and it says Christian contentment. Did I spell that right? Contentment? Yep. That's right. You have no idea. No. <laughs> Christian contentment. That's our subject for today. So, what do we mean when we say Christian contentment? What are we trying? Why Why is that worth devoting a podcast to? Joy, what do you, when you hear Christian contentment, what do you think? What are your first thoughts other than shipping docks? No, that's just docket. Oh, yeah. Dock, docket. <laughs> I don't think about docks when I think about contentment. <laughs> you will now, everybody. You're welcome. I just and think- maybe the reverse will happen when you see a shipping dock. You'll think... I need to be content in Jesus. <laughs> I think it's just being reverse psychology. Happy with what little that you have, which is something I struggle with. Or 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 what lot a lot you have. What what's the opposite of little? What big you big. have? <laughs> what much you have? <laughs> <laughs> Makes you think of. Uh, Proverbs sixteen eight: Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Ooh, nice, nice. Pulled that out the bag. <laughs> Thank John so, Piper, DesiringGod.org. <laughs> Hashtag Piper in it. <laughs> so Christian contentment. We want to focus here in. Uh, my, my church has been. We've been walking through the Book of Philippians, and that's kind of where. This episode and this subject was what how where the inspiration came from, but we've been working our way through Philippians, and so I kind of want to focus on Philippians four verses ten through thirteen, which I'm about to read just to start off, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we mean and what discontentment is before we kind of dive into breaking down these verses and there there's one verse in here that we probably all know and have seen it used horribly wrong, and so we'll talk about that too. But I'm going to read Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. This is from the ESV version. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. There's that word. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, obviously that last verse, Philippians 4.13, is a verse that we're, thanks to Tim Tebow, we're all familiar with. Thanks, Tim. Or, thanks to Tim Tebow's face, we're all (laughs) familiar with. Wasn't that the one? That's what he got in, when he got in trouble when he put Philippians four thirteen on his eye black. Y'all can't tell I'm pointing to where you would put eye black <laughs> on your face, but uh, yeah, some Garrett would do. Yep, we miss you, Garrett. Hope you're listening. Shout out to Garrett Zamboni. 
Hashtag Zamboni. <laughs> Hashtag Zamboni. <laughs> so, why why contentment? Why do we talk about contentment? And we think, I, I, we believe contentment is something that's very important to your Christian walk that isn't discussed enough. And we think it's important because discontentment can be very, very dangerous. In fact, I think there that many sins are kind of birthed or come out of a discontent heart. So, discontentment can be a very dangerous sin, so we want to battle that. That's something worth fighting. So, and obviously, the opposite of that would be contentment. And um, so... When we say contentment, hey, you want to see what the uh, dictionarial definition of content, content or contentment is? And um, so that's kind of, he's, he's going to read what, uh, he's looking it up and he's going to read kind of what what we're searching for. Is being content and being content no matter your your circumstances is is kind of what we're, what we're going, what we're after here. So that's how you that's how you say it. And I mean hit that button. It turned out pretty funny. <laughs> a state of happiness and satisfaction. Mm, that is the perfect example. Yep. Yep. That's what we're gonna be talking about. Being happy and being satisfied. How can we be happy and be satisfied when things aren't going our way? Or when things are going our way. So I think it would, even when like when when you have more staying in that contentment state, especially being a Christian, is not finding that happiness and satisfaction in the stuff. Yes, right. Yes, which seems to be what what Paul is is hinting at here. So to understand this, you've got to understand a little bit of the, of the background of the book of Philippians. So as as Joy mentioned, it's Paul, the apostle Paul. Um, the same Paul that you find in the book of Acts that God changed, that was what had spent his life and was spending his life and was gaining um, some power and some popularity from being the guy that kind of headed up trying to wipe out this new Christian religion or this new Christian sect of of Judaism, and um, and then on the road to Damascus while he was heading there to find Christians to persecute Jesus met him the uh and changed changed his heart showed himself to Paul and Paul then spent his life became one of the greatest missionaries in Christian history planted some of the earliest churches and what wrote at least half of our of our new testament and so that's who we're talking about Paul is writing this book to the church at Philippi, and he's writing this book from prison. He's he's in prison, thinking that you know we get the the saying and I think in chapter one for to live is, for to me to live is Christ to die is gain. He knows there's a very real possibility of his death um, and being killed because he's a Christian. So that's kind of what's in the cards and potentially in the future for the apostle Paul. And in the midst of that. What he's telling them is he has found the secret 
to being content. So this is a man who in his present circumstances as he's writing this, he literally has nothing. I mean, he's in prison about to lose his life or potentially lose his life and has has nothing yet his this is a book Philippian a common theme of Philippians is joy. There's joy all over this book. This is a man that's found joy despite his ugly difficult circumstances. So I think I I don't think typically so let's kind of move to let's talk about verse 13 to start. I know we're kind of st- in the last verse here, but Let's start. Let's talk about verse thirteen. It's a like we said, like we mentioned, like it is a especially in the you know we're sports in Jesus in the sports realm, especially like this is a verse that is you commonly see. Like I remember, uh, I remember when uh, watching an interview of JJ Redick when he was back at Duke, and he said every time you know he shoots like ninety four percent free throws. Every time he shoots a free throw, he says Philippians four thirteen in his head. I remember, I think, <laughs> I think you were there with me, Joy. We went to a, um, for me, it was a time in my life where I was just kind of getting introduced to theology, good theology, but didn't have the discernment to know bad theology. Yeah. And there was a big, like, youth and college age, um, I'm trying to not blast the people that did this because <laughs> I think they still do it. But there was a big event that would happen in a large city once a month where thousands of young people would come and they would, I mean, they would crank up the speaker. I mean, fog machines, lights everywhere. Um, I mean, they would do like just high energy, high. And, and I remember, I remember the speaker who was is a well-known guy. Um, a lot of people like to listen to him. And he was talking about like his, I remember one message was on Philippians 4.13. And he was talking about, you know, working out and saying that to himself. And like he kept telling himself that, that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And he was able to get his brand new Max on the bench. And like, that's when I was kind of like, yeah, this might not be the best but <laughs> but typically that's how this verse is used right so go back listen to our earlier podcast on expositional preaching this is a perfect example of why we believe in expositional contextual preaching because if you take just that verse i can do all things to christ who strengthens me just that verse of everything what did most people hear first i can do all things i can fly Yes, I can do whatever, like whatever I can do, whatever I want to do, I can do it. Like that's what it's telling me. This is saying something about me that I can do all things. When you put this verse in the context of the book of Philippians and of this chapter, you see it's a little more specific than that, I guess. Paul is saying, I can do all things. I mean, by all things, he's saying, I can be content when. The world says you shouldn't be content. When the world says everything has gone wrong, when everything has gone wrong and I have nothing left, I can miraculously be content is what he's saying. So that's what this is not about Paul saying, I can break down these walls because I can do all things. 
That's not what he's talking about. Um, he's saying, I, I think this is one of the most misused. People take this and make it very man-centered and very us-centered and very like it's saying something about us. But this isn't saying something about us. Yeah, I think that's a common theme when you hear it misused and used out of context. It's you getting what you want instead of, you know, being content with what you have. It's, I can do all things. I can go out and start this business, make billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It's always it's always something focused on you and not on the mm-hmm. Lord and yeah stuff. Yep. So... We'll go back earlier in these verses, verse 11. Now that I'm speaking of, not that I'm speaking of being in in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. So he says, I've learned in every situation. This is something that you can learn. So what, what has he, he, you know, he's learned to be content. What, what's the secret there? In verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned again, learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. So he's saying there's a secret. There's a something that you have to click in. There's a secret here that you have to learn in order to be content, in order to find, as he says in earlier verses, to rejoice in the Lord always. And what is that secret? And it is verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But as as Joy and I just mentioned, the secret in this isn't I can do all things. The main point of this whole section is Christ gives me strength. Christ does it. Christ is the strength. Christ is the source. Christ is Christ is the one that brings contentment. It is found in Jesus. We are not content because Christ or because God has given us the things that we need. We are content because Christ has given us Christ. We are not content because when we were sick, he gave us health. When we were in, you know, when we needed, when we were hungry, he gave us food. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, I've found the secret of being content when still being hungry. The secret isn't God gives me food. The secret isn't God met those needs. The secret is Christ, is I have Jesus. Whether I'm hungry or whether I'm starving or whether I have all the food in the world that I want, whether I have no money or whether I have millions of dollars, whether I have a great job or no job, whether I have a great healthy family or someone in my family is sick, whether I'm healthy or I'm sick, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, my joy and my contentment and my, what what was the definition of contentment again? So finding happiness and it is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Okay. My happiness and my satisfaction are not found in those circumstances. I'm not satisfied by having a lot of food, having a lot of money, or being very healthy. I'm satisfied in Jesus. And no matter what the circumstance may be, Jesus doesn't change. Whether everybody in my family leaves me, 
whether my health is gone and I'm on my deathbed, whether I have lost my job and have not a penny to my name, Jesus is still just as much there as he was when I had those things. And I know contentment's one of those things that I've always, that I've struggled with, especially, and it's funny that we're talking about this because <laughs> you started off, you know, we started off at the beginning saying discontentment's a, a sin. It's a very dangerous sin. Mm-hmm. And I had a part of my life where I was very discontent. I didn't feel like I was getting what I deserved. And so, and it just led to a, to a path of just sin and sin. Like it's, I look back and that was the start of it. It was yeah. just discontentment, not being happy with where I was and life and all of that. So it's very, it's a dangerous road if you just stay in that discontentment. Yeah. And, and oftentimes I found like in my own life, like when I'm struggling with discontentment, like things don't get better, they get worse to the point to where I'm forced as a Christian to kind of realize, okay, look, like my job is miserable right now. Like this is a really tough time. I'm not saying my job isn't miserable. If my boss is listening to this, I'm just giving this as an example. My job, like this is, I'm working a lot of hours and it's really hard, but I haven't lost anything with Jesus. He's still there. I still like what he did on the cross for me hasn't changed what he did. I mean, it's something you have to constantly preach yourself to yourself as a Christian, but notice, you know, in these verses, he says plenty and like, it's sometimes like God takes things away from us to remind us that our contentment should be found in him and him alone. Right. The, one of the more difficult times to be content is when you do have those things, right? Like when you are healthy, when things are going your way, when your job is working out exactly the way you want to, when things start to click, then you start, it starts to creep in the discontentment and it looks like I've really got this together. I've started, I figured this out. I've, I'm really good at this. Uh, look, everybody's recognizing how, like, that's how, that's what discontentment looks like. You still have to preach your, that to yourself just as much in plenty as you do in the opposite of plenty. Un, unplenty. Unplenty. <laughs> Displenty. <laughs> you had. I mean, you have to remind yourself, like, look, like, this is all, like, my satisfaction and my joy isn't found in any of these things. These are blessings and praise God for them because I don't deserve these things. But if these things are taken away, I still can find joy just like Paul did. My wife and I have found that in times to where we're in a season of having plenty and having everything that we we think that we want, that the Lord sometimes, if you're not grateful and thankful, and you're not content in just Christ, that sometimes those things will get taken away. Yeah, like sometimes, <laughs> like it's a season of plenty, and you've won so many national championships because you're an Alabama fan, and things are just going great, number one recruiting class after number one recruiting class, and then God brings Clemson in, and he reminds you, your joy isn't in Alabama. Because they just got whooped by Clemson. Sunshine. Are you still happy? 
Are you still satisfied? <laughs> I like that word satisfaction, like, because that's such a big, like, so that was kind of a game changer for me when the whole, like, Christian hedonism concept, like John Piper's Christian hedonism, which he gets from Jonathan Edwards, of, like, God wants, God doesn't just want me to do the things he says, or, like, he wants me he has made us to seek out satisfaction and pleasure, but he's also made that where the, we can only truly be satisfied in him. Like that, finding your satisfaction and finding your joy in him is the only way you can still have joy when things are taken away. But also I think uh, something I found, so Thomas Watson, the, the Puritan in the book, The Art of Divine Contentment, he wrote, uh, he has a uh, five marks of a contented heart and so these are just things just to test to see you know are you really content because probably most of you right now like you're listening to this and you're thinking yeah i'm doing pretty good at this i'm content because things are going your way um obviously an early sign of discontentment would be when things don't go your way is your joy gone like if you if you have a bad day if you know if things aren't your way at, don't go your way at your job or even in your marriage or, you know, if you're with your health and you lose, you start to get angry at those things, then you've got a discontent heart and you need to repent of that. And I often, on a daily basis, have to repent of that. But, okay, so five marks of a contented heart. The first mark is a contented spirit is a silent spirit. So, uh, just to, to go along with that, how would others describe you? Are you apt to speak out and give vent to your frustrations with others and God? Or are you inclined to hold your peace and see the Lord in the situation? I think that's good. So, if you're consistently grumbling or complaining, which we are commanded not to do, and you're, that's a sign of discontentment. You know, or when things go wrong, are you able to sit there and think through and pray through and preach to yourself, my joy is not found in this. My joy is found in Jesus. Number two, a contented a contented spirit is a cheerful spirit. Are you cheerful? Would others describe you as cheerful, no matter the situation? Thirdly, a contented spirit is a thankful spirit. Um, someone that knows that you know your joy and your satisfaction is found in God, and so you know that all this this extra stuff is a blessing from God and you're thankful for it and you're thankful for these things. Fourthly, a contented spirit is not bound by circumstances, which is what we've talked about. You know, you, your circumstances don't matter. Jesus isn't leaving you. Like if everything rests on him, it will it will stand firm and stand strong no matter what what or who comes and goes. And then lastly, a contented spirit will not avoid trouble by means of sin. Contentment would rather wait upon God than sin against God. A contented Christian is willing to wait God's leisure and will not stir till God opens a door. The spirit of contentment says, I would rather stay in prison than purchase liberty by sinning against God. That's good. Thank you, Sir Thomas Watson. 
It's good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Guff. <laughs> yep. We'll end on that one. Um, so we'd like to encourage you, like if probably most of us, this is a huge, pro- all of us, this is a huge struggle. Um, so the question I want to ask you, you know, are you struggling? Are you, are you in the fight for contentment? Are you in the fight to, you know, cause the real danger is when you just think of these things as normal, of discontentment as normal because you see it all around you. We're encouraging, no, fight it, fight, preach to yourself, be in community, be in a church that also reminds you of these things and reminds you of the satisfaction and the joy that's found in Jesus and found in Christ and found in him alone. Um, you need that. You need people to remind you of that and to encourage you in that. But that's all we got for now. So um, hopefully we'll catch you in a week or two. So peace. I'm ready, you got that right, I look forward to it. You say I'm crazy for Jesus, that boy's done went insane. But I wrote with Paul to live as Christ and to die as gain. The man, the woman, who will set their one goal to commune with God and to be with Him, everything else will fall in place. Absolutely everything else will fall in place.